Welcome to the Meeting Your Soul podcast. I'm Farrah Seifert, your host, and I'm so grateful that you're here. This podcast was designed as a way for me to share my personal story, the challenges, the things that I've overcome, and the pursuit of understanding myself on a deeper level. Also share tips and tools, things that have aided me in gaining that deeper understanding, and to find trust within my intuition. I have a degree in psychology. I have years of teaching yoga experience, as well as more spiritual texts and books that you can possibly ever imagine that someone would voluntarily read because it is a passion of mine and it's something that I am very adamant about sharing with the world because I think that we could all use a little bit of help in this journey of understanding ourselves so that we can show up as authentically and joyfully as possible in all that we do. We're super excited to dive into today's topic which is all about my personal mental health journey. I wanted to be open and upfront about the personal struggles that I've experienced um, over my lifetime um, to be able to really explain why I think it's so important to be able to do this type of self-work and to be able to self-reflect on the challenges that we've all overcome as individuals um, and recognizing that those each play a part in the evolution within our souls and that heart connection. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive in. Um, I first had thoughts of kind of like my own mental health or I think that those um, kind of beliefs that really got established when I was really young. I'm the youngest of four girls and I think I always had this idea that I needed to kind of fit in, follow orders, be the compliant like good kid, the good girl of the family so that um, I made life easier for my mom and my dad and um, I think often put my needs on the shelf thinking that if everyone else is happy, then I'll be fine too. And I'm an empath, so I'm very sensitive to the feelings and kind of emotions that surround me. So often, more often than not, actually, if everyone is calm around me, it does make me feel better. Um, but I think as I've gotten older, really recognizing that my needs are also important and they should be met and kind of honoring myself um, at the same time as kind of being aware and respectful and kind to the people that surround me. So. That's definitely um, kind of one of the programming or kind of beliefs um, that I established when I was younger. And then, um, and so when I was in middle school, I always felt really invisible. Like no one really knew who I was. I was really quiet. Um, I was super like, like nerdy to be perfectly honest. I had these like glasses and I was like really insecure and like super awkward. I still am deep down. Um, and it's always been a, a journey for me to be able to let myself, my light be fully seen. And this is something I'm still working through. Um, but I think when I was young and like just had no idea what it even meant, I just would get good grades. I did, you know, I was pretty quiet in class. I kind of laughed. I was like pleasant. Um, to the people around me, had a couple good close girlfriends, and that was it. And then um, once I got a little bit older, um, went through puberty, I remember um, everyone at my school thought I transferred. So I go into junior high, this is like no joke, I'm being so real about this, and they're like, what school did you transfer from? And I was like, what? And I was like, I don't know, I was like, I've actually been in like your class multiple times, like I've been in the same school district since I was in elementary school, and they were like, and I know they felt really bad. I remember they're like, I'll never forget their face. Um, his name was Austin, and um, he was like, oh shit, my bad. And I was like, it's all good, like don't worry about it. And I think that there, I went through such a growth spurt. I also like, I pretty much looked the exact same, like body shape wise, as I did in eighth grade. And so I think it was just a huge shift, and, and because instead of being this kind of like awkward um, kind of yeah dorky girl that I like 
grew boobs and was taller, got my eyebrows waxed, got contacts, you know, did some kind of freshen my look up to say the least. And so, um, yeah, it was this big shift and that was like kind of hard to handle all on its own because then I suddenly got male attention, which I never had before. Like literally, like I said, I was kind of this fly on the wall, very kind of like separate and it talked, guys never talked to me, like especially not in a romantic way, that's for darn sure. And so I um, kind of had to kind of open that up and then it was like, okay, what does that mean for me to like, for guys to be attracted to me and what does it mean for me to like flirt and all these things and I was so like naive to it all I really did not know what I was doing um and I think at that point I actually got a new friend group and um started you know going out and meeting more people and kind of hanging out with like the popular crew and um started drinking actually and so I started drinking and smoking weed when I was pretty young and because that's like what cool kids did. Um, I know it sounds so silly now, but it was true. At the time, that's what I believed. And I um, yeah, kind of dove in and it also helped a lot with my social anxiety. So then I had a, I felt really awkward when I would be out with friends and meeting new people. And it was hard for me to kind of be who I was. And so it was a way to kind of soothe my nerves when I was in public. And so when I would go out, um, I think that kind of got established pretty early on. And then because I was kind of at parties and I was in that scene, then I was seen in a more favorable light. And again, empath, I'm aware of how people feel around me, how people perceive me. Um, my cancer and Leo, I'm very sensitive to the, my reputation and how people view me. Um, again, something I'm working on now. Um, but I think at that time it was like, oh, if I'm this image of what um, people deem appropriate or acceptable for who I am, then they'll treat me kinder, I'll you know, have more friends. All of these things kind of got reinforced time and time again. And um, I believed it. So I definitely led kind of that party girl lifestyle when I was younger. Um, you know, my parents had no idea. And so I was very stealth in my actions. So I didn't get into trouble, but I was pretty, you know, I was going to parties as a 15 year old. I was going to frat parties at colleges when I was 16, 15, 16. I remember I was going to like, oh shit, what was it called? It was a 16 overnight club. I had a fake ID as a 16 or 15 year old. Who even does that? Me, me, <laughs> and my friends. And um, Studio B, that's what it was. So I used to go to Studio B when I was younger. I used to drive up to Seattle. I go to like this dance club, which is so ridiculous. And dear God, let me not have my child do this. But um, I, so that, so it kind of like, kind of got pulled into this, like, okay, I like, I'm going to be outgoing. I'm going to be super confident. I'm really like, I'm like almost hyperly sexual. I'm like, I'm okay talking about all these different things. I wasn't doing shit. I like didn't even like kiss a boy until like my sophomore year. And then like, even then I didn't lose my virginity until I was a senior. So like, I really was not doing anything with anybody, but um, I wanted to appear as this like flirty, fun party girl. It's kind of like this kind of almost image that I'm, I've created um, as this like alter ego for me to feel comfortable in those settings and to feel confident in who I was. And I thought, this is what people like, this is what I'm going to be. And then I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm liked, I'm, I'm accepted, I'm, you know, I'm popular. And that's all that mattered to me at that time in my life. And, um, you know, I, I think looking back on it, I wish I could have told myself that, you know, confidence is and who you really are and being authentic and being true is the most attractive thing you can possibly do. But at the time I just, I kind of got shifted into this um, mode of, um, you know, 
trying to be what everyone else wanted me to be. So um, that carried out, and you know, I loved high school. I actually really did love high school. You know, I made a solid group of friends. Um, you know, started you know dating older guys. So that was the scene I was on. Dating older guys, hanging out, going to parties. I was a cheerleader. Um, kind of again, I created this um, mold around me, and um, it worked in my favor, and it was fun. And I, I'm happy that I learned those lessons. I, the only thing is, is I wish I don't think I was ever really comfortable with myself because of that. And so I started dating this older guy. He was like four or five years older than me. He was like 21, and I was 17. I was still in high school. <laughs> he shall not be named. Um, and uh, I was always more mature, so I think that that was kind of naturally. But we, I again, then I'm with him, and so then I'm like, okay, what does it mean to be with like this older guy and have a boyfriend? And I was my first boyfriend, so I didn't even like know what to even do with myself then. Um, and like, what does a guy want me to be? And so then that was like a huge thing of like being who he wanted me to be. Um, and thankfully he was like really cool. He's actually a really sweet guy. Um, and we got along really well and had a lot of fun together. Um, but I definitely made a lot of mistakes. I just had no idea what it meant to be in a relationship. Um, we definitely were codependent, just really leaned on each other, spent a lot of time together. Like I literally ditched all my friends, stopped hanging out with people, like really isolated myself with him. Um, he chewed on me a few times, like broke my heart, and I really kind of got jaded from that. Um, and really closed myself off. I think that first love has a tendency to either open your heart and expand it or really contract it. And um, I definitely like loved him so unconditionally and so like without a doubt in my mind, you're all I want and need. And um, when he was unfaithful and just really hurtful to me, I um, kind of closed off after that. And actually when we broke up, so we were together for like a year and a half, almost two years. And it was my freshman year in college um, I gained some weight, I was partying a lot, and we um, ended up breaking up, and he was like, you know, you're just living that lifestyle right now, and like, I'm older, like, let's connect when you graduate, pretty much was like what he said, and I was like, devastated, like, devastated, like, heartbroken, like, shattered, and um, I think also this, like, rejection, like, really triggered in that way, too, and I went through a major depressive episode, so that was like the first time where, like, shit got dangerous, like rough, like I lost a ton of weight, lost maybe like 25 pounds, I'm not, I'm like pretty petite, so it was like a big difference, I, um, 25, maybe 30 pounds, I like couldn't sleep, I was like borderline insomniac, I'd be up every night, um, I had extreme anxiety, like you know that I couldn't, like, and the reason why I lost weight is because I couldn't eat, because I always had like this pit in my stomach of just like feeling anxious, and anytime I tried to even think about food, like I just would feel like I was going to throw up, and um, I just didn't, I lost like faith in mankind a little bit. I like, and he just cut me off cold turkey that it hurt so bad that I, um, I was heartbroken, like true heartbroken and dealt with it as I dealt with most things back then. As I drank a lot, smoked a lot of weed. I would smoke, I smoked pot like every day, like at least multiple times would black out every weekend. People that um, knew me during that time, I don't know what they were even fucking thinking. But again, it was like deemed, it was socially acceptable somewhat in college um, to kind of block out or like just drink. And I've always been like a pretty composed drunk person. So like, even if I'm really intoxicated, you know, all I know, um, which is dangerous all on its own. But, um, and so I kind of just like, and I was still like functioning and I was going to school. Um, I was getting good grades, you know, I was social. I had my friend group. Um, but deep down, I was so lost and so angry and so sad. 
and um, that summer I remember we broke up like maybe like May-ish and then that summer I went home I was like working which having a purpose having something to do has always been extremely useful for me like I love to like direct my energy towards something I like to be somewhat consumed with the pursuit of a goal or a project or something like that really does serve me well um, and giving back and serving my community or the people around me also is like really important for me um, and I noticed that that is something that's very influential in my overall like mental health is being able to give back in my community in some sh shape or form so I am um, I started working, um, got a job where they like really were open to giving me like new like responsibilities and they saw potential in me and so I was like okay cool like this would be a good way for me to like kind of not think about all of this but then you know everyone around me is concerned everyone's like watching me kind of self-destruct um, and on the surface everything seemed to be fine I think if you didn't know me but if you were close to me yeah the amount of drinking and just partying that I was doing was um, it was problematic to say the least and um, I hung out with a lot of people that that was kind of their norms um, but it, I definitely it teetered on some dangerous levels at that point in time and embarrassed myself a lot to be perfectly honest and um, yeah I wish you know I don't think anyone could have told me nothing you know I've always been really stubborn so like if I feel a certain way if I want to do something no one's gonna stop me and um, yeah I, I definitely learned a lot of hard lessons. I was really grateful for my friends, my family, everyone that stood behind me that really kept reminding me how loved I was, how important it was, how like, you're gonna be fine, you know? But when you're in that space, like, you can't tell me nothing. Like, I was just like, no, like, he left me. I'm so sad. I was doing crazy things. I just couldn't fathom this life without him. And he was my first love. And I just, I thought that we were gonna be together forever. And um, that's actually, when I got really close with um, Kyle, who's not my now um, ex-husband, but we were we were always friends. Um, I've known him since middle school, but we got really close, and it's because he brought me so much joy. He really did. He like made me laugh, and he was always there for me, and he really um, he accepted me and loved me even from the very beginning. So yeah, I will try not to cry. Even the crying is okay. But, and crying is definitely part of my self-care. <laughs> and um, something I've, I feel, and I feel emotions on a very high, intense level. And so I've recognized that crying is just a part of the game. And I do it often. Uh, so, anyway. Uh, yeah, so that was kind of, I made it through that summer. Went back to school. Um, and, yeah, that whole next year, really just kind of tried to figure my shit out. Which I don't even know if I really did. Um, started volunteering in domestic violence sexual assault services and that was really important for me to be able to just like again focus on my career focus on my degree like accomplishing the things that i had set in motion um and but i was still drinking heavily and i was still abusing alcohol and you know um smoking a lot of weed i don't really do any other drugs i was always scared i have a lot of addiction in my family and so i was always somewhat aware of the fact that like I didn't want to do and I had a lot of friends that were in their lives um, in the opioid crisis and everything so I was very aware not to do anything hard drugs as I like to call them um, but I uh, was definitely doing you know smoking and drinking often um, daily if not um, yeah going to those extreme limits on a regular basis um, I had uh, started dating this one guy um, for a period of time where we just actually really good friends and um, and I, I started to expand my friend group a little bit more, started hanging out with different people and people that I connected with that had similar interests were my major. 
Um, and that really helped me too, because then it was like, I'm not alone. I'm loved. And um, I have a really bright future. I have a lot to look forward to, you know, a lot ahead of me in life. So, you know, it took a while to get out of that depression. I, don't, I think it was actually in a a normal psychology class where I took like the inventory of what it means to have a major depressive episode and I was like, oh shit, like I am teetering right now on a very deep level and I uh, I think that kind of gave me direction of like, okay, I need to clean, clean my shit up and I need to get this, get myself together and move on, truly, you know, and that's what it was and we were really toxic with one another, we stayed in touch for years afterwards um, and it was just really back and forth, it was not healthy in the least bit um, and I think we both cared about each other but didn't know how to express that or exemplify that in a healthy manner so um, yeah and so then once I kind of moved forward from that started dating other guys um, started you know again focusing on my getting my degree volunteering giving back working kind of having some kind of purpose some kind of um, direction I did a couple cleanses I started practicing yoga I started opening my mind up to this kind of spiritual sense I've always been deeply intuitive but I think even more so then um, just kind of clearing my body of like all of the trauma of what I had experienced um, and it was changed my life you know I was in Bellingham which is kind of this more like progressive area and um, got exposed to a lot of different things and you know started hanging out with different people with different ideas and thoughts and beliefs and I've always strived I've always excelled in school so like being able to have that as in the forefront of my mind and like graduating and you know getting my degree was a huge accomplishment for me and I was really proud of myself and you know and I had my friends and my family I had a lot of people around me that were just holding me in the best way possible and um, made it through and kind of graduated and was feeling like a pops, you know? I graduated, but it was done, moved like back home for a couple months, um, then transferred back to, or actually moved in with people I'd never met before, moved to Seattle, because um, I was bound and determined to be in Seattle. I was like, I wanna live in Seattle. I used to drive across the bridge and I would always look down at downtown and I was like, I'm gonna live here one day. I like, knew it. And uh, yeah, so I uh, made it up there. And I think really kind of opened my world. I was like hanging out with different people, hang, like, going out, like definitely was still, you know, abusing alcohol, drinking in an unhealthy amount. Um, that was a constant for me. Um, it's definitely a coping skill that I learned, um, like I said, when I was younger and um, utilized. And again, I was still like, I kind of felt like I needed to be this party girl. Um, and that's what people liked me as. And so I think I met my new group of friends, moved in with them, like, you know, started dating Kyle um, after we graduated um, college and, you know, had that partnership, which was, um, you know, toxic in its own right. It's those first uh, year or two, we were definitely that explosive couple at the bars at some points. Um, I can only imagine uh, what people saw us do and get little in particular um, <laughs> running around, running the streets. Um, yeah, we won't go into detail about some of those stories, but. I think then at that point I was like, okay, something's got to give because I like him, I love him, and something's not working here. And um, so I stopped drinking as much, um, kind of started cleaning up in that way. Um, I, you know, I still was smoking weed pretty heavily, but wasn't drinking as often. At least not blocking out. I wasn't getting so drunk that I was like, it's like you know, I got I'm a little sassy all around, but like definitely once you have a little more add booze into the equation for both of us, it was an explosion waiting to happen, and so. And then I started practicing yoga. And so yoga was a huge shift for me. I um, 
I had I also was working as a Montessori school teacher, so I was waking up super early every day. So I like had to go to bed early. Didn't really do anything on the weekdays. I was very like my schedule became a lot more rigid. And I um, yeah started practicing yoga every day. It was like five days a week, and um, I had a really uh, some great teachers that really opened me up to spirituality, mindset, understanding the power of my thoughts, and what and choosing how I wanted my thoughts to play out, and like which ones I expanded on, and which ones I hyper focused on, and which ones that were really serving me and what was holding me back. And once I gained that awareness, it was like my whole world just shifted. Like it literally flipped upside down in the best way possible. And I um, really, I, I came into a, my first spiritual awakening like really just opening my mind to possibility. And I was like, I can do anything I set my mind to. And like, I focus on what I want. I create my reality. I manifest this life. And there is this divine protection over me that's washing over me that I'm so grateful to have. And it's there. And I, um, that's when things really changed. My whole life changed at that point. I was probably like 24, I believe. And, um, I, you know, I got, to, I went through the yoga teacher training. I had a, a fantastic teacher, Sylvia Mardini, um, who really focused on self-discovery as a part of her training and just like ancient practices that help root us into our souls. And once I gained that connection, that, that true link between my heart and my mind, like I, there was no going back for me and that um, changed everything. And I became a yoga teacher, started practicing meditation, really dove into spiritual texts, Bhagavad Gita, um, you know, the Upanishads, it all, like, I really just, like, I just wanted to consume as much of the Yoga Sutras, like, and, like, how the Niyamas and Yamas played a part within, you know, everyday life, and this just beautiful practice that was right in front of me the whole time that I just wasn't seeing, and I remember at the end of training, I, um, smiled, and I was actually really happy, and, like, it wasn't, like, it wasn't fake, it wasn't, um, a facade, it was genuine, and I liked myself. For the first time in my entire life, I actually like accepted who I was, saw all the facets of who I was, and was proud of the woman that I was. And that was never the case before. And um, so that was another big moment, very monumental time in my life. And I rode that way for a while. So that was like the high. I was like coasting. I was like, everything's good. Like I'm doing all these things. I worked at Teen Link for a period of time. Then I was at UW. I started developing my career a little bit more, really trying to figure out what I wanted to do and how I could um, serve. And um, started excelling within my career, just really kind of working my way up. And, um, you know, I, we went through, you know, and then my relationship with Kyle was, you know, blossoming. We were the happiest we'd ever been, loving each other fully, unconditionally. It was a really beautiful time in my life. Um, we got married um, and then, you know, started, built a life together, which was incredible. I couldn't have asked for a better partner. Um, we, and we believed in the same stuff. We really supported each other on our spiritual journeys. Um, and always, you know, promised that we would stay dedicated to that um, path in order to show, be the best versions of ourselves to show up for one another. And then I think we kind of got into this mode of keeping up with the Joneses, like being what we need, like what we felt. Again, it was like I had gone through this whole self-discovery of like understanding, recognizing like I am like, I can only, I'm the only person who can validate who I am. Like, you know, it doesn't matter how other people perceive me. It's like how I perceive myself and having self-worth and self-love and like, like being in flow and like synced up and like kind of just in this like 
infinite love that just pouring out for me. It was so beautiful. Like it was such an incredible time and I, it was there and I was, oh, it was just, it was, I always reflect back on it. It was like 2013-ish, it was kind of that 14, 2013, 14, 15, um, with time period. It was like one of the happiest I've ever been in my life. And um, yeah, and so then we kind of got in this mode of like, and I was at UW, I was kind of working my way up the ranks and you know, started making more money, had a lot of pressure on me, had a lot of pressure on my shoulders, and um, a lot of resentment started to build up um, around my career, me feeling like I needed to be in this stable job, doing this like kind of nine to five. Um, and I just started kind of deteriorating from the inside out. And I know that sounds extreme, but I was. I like started having panic attacks again, was super stressed, working crazy hours put a lot of pressure on myself um, to succeed. I always wanted, you know, I'm always one of those above and beyond people. So it's like, I won't just do the bare minimum. I'm always gonna like go that extra level, that extra notch above. And, um, but at the sake and kind of the sacrifice of my own mental well-being, um, Kyle and I started fighting a lot. Um, I just was really unhappy and I uh, had lost sight of what I needed to do in order to be balanced and have my equilibrium. Uh, so after that, I uh, I left UW, I, uh, but then I fell into a deep, another depressive episode, and I didn't even know what was going on at the time. So like I kind of fell into another depression. Um, I lost that sense of kind of stability within my career. Um, I started teaching yoga full time, um, but was so overwhelmed. I was so consumed with like keeping up with things at that point that I didn't even know what to do with myself once I didn't have that career path at you know at the University of Washington. And, um, and then I created my own career, my own like business. And so then I was like so much pressure. I was like, I can't fail. Like I have to succeed because I have to be able to do this to be able to support my husband and show up for him and like to be the, like to be that other pillar within our relationship. And, um, you know, I got really passive. It was like, oh, I'm going to just be a housewife kind of to a certain extent. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be a wife and this is what a wife is. And this is how a wife should be and how they should act and how they should support their husband and all these things. And I think we both kind of slipped into gender roles on either side, um, which was so unlike us and so not healthy for us in any way, shape or form. And so we um, leaned into that for a while and that was really kind of the detriment of our relationship and one another and kind of that trust we had established and have, you know, for years, we were together for 12 years in total. And, um, and I, he was such a, a, a constant and such a positive force within my life that when it switched, it was really hard for me. And I kind of, I, I leaned and just feeling really unworthy and just like I was not enough and started accusing him of cheating. And I just was in this really like self-destructive again mode. And again, it's like when I'm feeling depressed, I just like self-sabotage. And uh, that was for, you know, a year um, or so, a couple years maybe. And, um, and his career was thriving. I was there, I was trying to help him, support him while he was building his own, um, you know, empire really and um he was kind of moving up the rings got huge promotions became the vp was doing the damn thing you know and i was so proud of him i was so helpful but you know you got to operate a home and so we were trying to balance that out and uh yeah so then we um finished and so then we moved um got really isolated and then i got pregnant and so once i got pregnant i um I had this moment of reflection of like one how do how do I feel internally and how is that affecting and shaping my child energetically physically all of it 
and so I kind of knew I needed to make a change at that point. I used to listen to Lizzo all the time. It was like always my like pump me up songs. Uh, music's always been a healer for me as well. It's like a way for me to just tap into some another emotion, another feeling, um, and to inspire me constantly. It's always been something I've used in my life. Um, and uh, yeah, so once I got pregnant, I knew that I needed again make a change. It was always like those moments where it's like a wake up call, like get your shit together. And so I, and I knew all the things I needed to do. I knew the importance of yoga, I knew meditation, I knew the power of my thoughts, I knew all of this, but putting it into practice and really believing it and like embodying it and like integrating it into every single moment, like that's where I struggled. And so I knew that I had to do that. So I started meditating every day again, I made it a staple part of my practice, was waking up early, was going for walks constantly, getting fresh air, being in nature has always been really useful for me too, just to help ground me and um, was teaching yoga, was holding space for others, got my rhythm within teaching, which was really helpful. Um, you know, when I first started, I just always wanted to have these powerful, impactful classes and had so such high standard for myself, even as a new teacher. And um, yeah, and so being able to teach was useful too. It helped me. I practiced and taught until I was about seven or eight months pregnant. And then we, um, and then I really started thinking about like what kind of example I wanted to leave for my daughter. I found out I was having a girl and who, what role model I wanted to be for her. And that changed everything again. Because I was like, I think she's going to be this. And I had this feeling even when I was pregnant. I was like, she's going to be this sassy, independent, like strong-willed powerhouse. And that's what I want my little, my little girl. And I want to be that example for her to see. And so I knew that that's not what I was at that point. And um, that I could become it because I knew I could. I knew I, I whatever I set my mind to, I know I can do. But it's setting my mind and deciding what I want is usually the hardest step. So I got my real estate license, became a real estate agent. I was like, I need, you know, I always gotta have the purpose. I gotta have the direction. So I was like, gotta get the. I have to have the goal that I'm like moving forward towards. And um, and that was yeah. And then that was really good. So I had purpose. I felt like I got it together. I had her, I had a beautiful pregnancy, I had, a, you know, so much traumatic birth. No one talks about that part of it too. The hum birth is like trauma, traumatic and I had a C-section, emergency C-section. She was five weeks early, it was like this whole thing, our whole life. You know, and that first kid changes everything, you know, from what our lives was, what our lives were, to what it became. Um, but I was ready for it, we both were. Um, and I was so excited to be a mom. Post baby, life changed. I, my career started to blossom. Um, got into real estate, literally sold 14 houses my first year in real estate, which is like kind of un, un like seem like it's not common to say, very uncommon to say the least. Um, and so I dove right in, jumped in both feet, um, was had a newborn baby, was had a thriving career, and then every it was like this whirlwind of life and trying to run everything with Kyle and us being on good terms and trying to be a wife still and support him but then also raise a baby and be there for as a mom and then also like run my business and honor my clients and be able to learn all these things and just like be good at what I did you know be good at my job has always been really important to me and um and so it was a very stressful time but I think you know definitely taught me my power taught me my strengths taught me how that I could you know again reminded me I, I mean, anything's possible if I set my mind to it and I could do it and again, that helped build my confidence, helped kind of establish, grounded me a lot. And then I also had financial independence, so that helped. So I just felt like I was 
once again, kind of in control of my life and my world, um, you know, in tandem with Kyle, but at the same time, I, we've always been really independent. So I think, and that independence was crucial for us. We always were kind of our own solid, you know, in solitude, we were individuals and then together we were stronger. Um, so then, you know, but I, I just started to, again, I overworked at burnout, um, was giving so much to everyone around me that I was leaving none for myself. It was also during COVID. So then, you know, studios, yoga studios shut down. I don't have that outlet. I don't have this physical exercise. I'm still learning how to move and maneuver within my new body after post-baby and post-birth. Um, and I just, yeah, I hit a wall. I remember my hair started falling out. I literally had bald spots, my hair started thin and thinning, that's actually why I cut it originally. Um, yeah, it was, and I I was so depleted um, that I was like, it was at the beginning of the year and I was like, again, I, I always have these like rock bottoms where it's like, shakes me and I'm like, coming back to. So then I came back to and was like, I need to start doing things for self-care, like period. Like I just have to, this was like 2021, yeah, yeah, 2021. And um, I started to move every day. I was like, move my booty. Like, I gotta move, I gotta dance, I gotta like go for a walk, I gotta get fresh air. I started to incorporate rituals that were very much staples within my practice. I started meditating again, started going to yoga, practicing online, even if the studios weren't open. Um, and it really helped me. And I really got into this mode of like, I like myself. And if I'm doing the things I need to in order to be the best version of who I am, then I show up better for everyone else, including my daughter, which again is what's most important to me. And uh, yeah, it was a big transformation over the next year. Um, really reconnected with my soul. And I think that that's what I need. I saw a soul journaling as well. Um, I'll do another episode on that so you can follow along if you wanna learn more about it. And really kind of started that reconnection with my intuition, within my, my heart, um, and I lost that. I was so busy, I was so pulled in all these different directions, I lost that kind of intuitive sense. And that is critical for my um, health, my mental health. And I'd say hands down is still the most influential piece and in how I'm feeling internally is my connection to the divine, to God, to universe, whatever you want to call it. I need to feel soulfully connected and intertwined within that cosmic power in order to be the best version and to feel 100% me. And um, that has kind of been what's progressed me and gotten me to the point to where I am today, which is probably the most stable and calm that I've ever been, um, you know, independent in my power, in my confidence, um, and really to be able to also show up for other people in that way, to encourage other people to feel that. Um, and really it's rooted in my own self-care practices, my own ability to honor my, my desires, my needs. And then when I do that, I unequivocally am able to do that for others. And I wouldn't be able to otherwise. And I know that and I recognize that and I see that now. So I, uh, yeah, kind of went with this whole long story spiel, um, but it is my truth and I hope that it serves you and kind of helps you relate to the fact that, you know, no one has it all figured out. I am still on my own journey. I am still, um, I still have good days and bad days. I still struggle um, with slipping back into depression. I don't even notice it some days. 
um, to when I stopped doing my practices and then I'm like, I've got this, like I'm good, I'm like, everything's all right. And then I'm like, oh fuck, it's not okay. Like I am not in a good space today and I'm like crying and I'm just like super sad and I'm just like having these like limiting beliefs that are starting to creep their little ugly heads up. And um, you know, I can't ignore it. I try to lean into it, I try to feel it. I try to address it and really get to the root cause of it. Like why am I feeling this way? And to being honest with myself about that. And then when I'm honest with myself about that, then I'm able to um, learn from it, grow from it, and evolve, and to keep moving forward, kind of keep, keep being that um, focal point on knowing that I'm working towards my highest self. And it's a daily, it's a daily practice, and it is essential for all of us to be able to honor our light and our darkness and to see our darkness for what it is so that we can transmute it into light. And uh, I've showed my shadows and my light and I hope this reminds you and shows you that you can too. So much love, so much peace to all of you. Thank you for listening and I love you already. I really do. And I'm so excited to be able to start this journey with all of you. So tune in for more episodes as we talk more about mental health, um, connection to soul, to universe, to spirit, and everything in between. Namaste.